And you can live in the day. So, my question for today, Raj, is what is a man's true nature? Oh, that's a tough one. We've talked about that before, I think. What, what inspired you to think about that? In a way, the current conflict, because... Oh, wow. Yeah. I see. Because Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so expand. I think as a man, looking at history what men did was go out and conquer and they needed there was a need for adventure and conquest yeah and modern society has been seen as bad and we've gone more political through things solving issues more politically instead of primarily primarily if that's the right way to say it and now that we have this conflict again it just goes back to show our actual true nature. But now it seems very foreign because we've gone used to a peaceful society. Mm-hmm. In a way, actually, I'll go even deeper into this. What built our peaceful society was so many wars beforehand and so much conflict beforehand, which, yeah, led to now this safe haven. Yeah. And now everyone is in this bubble, not realizing that without all the things that came before, we wouldn't be able to be where we are now. And that mm-hmm. it's still within our nature to be that way. It's just that we've suppressed it. Yeah. But in a way, yeah, like there's still leaders like Putin who are very, <clears throat> I'm not sure if strong is the right word, but they're trying to, bes- not bestow, bestow is the wrong word, but I'll try, if it makes sense, bestow that power. And I guess in a way, they're, testing their limits of how far they can go and let's say in this conflict he saw he could go quite far without any repercussions so he did do it yeah. anyway now yeah i'm getting sidetracked but well, what do you think well i think like peterson you know jordan peterson is so so popular and so um i don't know controversial because He's trying to remind in his works since 1999, he, he's been trying to remind people that what you just said is true, that we come from a potentially violent um, nature as humans. And that's important to remember. That's important to remember. You know, a human always has the ability to be a violent, destructive um, force of uh, force of nature and what comes to mind is the the mystic to activist correlation that i've drawn before if you can go from who you are to who you need to be without too much stickiness and 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 hesitation then i think you're in touch with with what a man has been designed to to ideally be and that could mean and that could mean fitting into any situation in a relationship. A man should be definitely in tune with his emotions, who he is, how he behaves around other people, his children, family. Um, but at the same time, doesn't lose himself, right? So that's that fluid nature, you know, stay in good shape, eat well. Be, be aggressive when necessary. Be uh, soft and compassionate when also necessary. 
Okay, fluidity. So how about we go from a man's nature going in terms of a timeline from a primal days to modern days, how it's changed? Yeah, I mean, there's always evolution, right? And and and, and again, like the this this situation overseas is is kind of interesting to think about. What I'm specifically looking for is things like, as I think I mentioned before, so adventure used to be a huge part of what we did as people. When we didn't know much about the world, we'd go out in different, just pick a direction and go there to explore. Exploring was important. And in a way, conquering back then as well, there were so many wars fought just to conquer over land. So since then maybe you have additional things to add and how things have changed since is kind of what i'm looking for hmm. so we can understand what is truly within us in that primal part of our brains and yeah how we've evolved since uh, that's that's interesting because my brain is thinking of the multi-layers or multi-dimensional aspects of the answer which is different depending on the situation but, but the difficult thing about me speaking on this is the Hindu perspective of evolution and the different timelines that man or consciousness enters. So eventually, exploration remains throughout. Um, adventure remains in our evolution in consciousness. But fighting and killing eventually die out. So like, if I were to, if I were to put on the religious hat, eventually we evolve in consciousness out of aggression and we fully evolve into love, compassion, support for one another. I mean, that whole hippy dippy kind of like outlook is something that we evolve according to the Eastern scriptures, but does that. I don't know. Is that even relevant? I don't know. So if I put on my other hat, my modern day fluid definition kind of hat, then, you know, nothing, nothing changes that fast. We, we have exploration. We need to go outside more. We need to get, we need to, we need to retain some of that primal nature. That's what I'm saying. We, if, if we think that we're in the future and, and, and in some other timeline where, you know, no killing is allowed to be the ideal person, I think that's wrong from that perspective, from, from right now. The tiger in the jungle example is what the monks always said, or the, the tiger in the village. You don't need to kill the tiger if it's in the, in the wild. But if the tiger comes to your village and it starts to threaten your family, then you have to kill the tiger. Okay, that makes sense. I'll try give another example. So the need for conquest from our history, let's say now, how can people channel that into a healthy way in modern times? Because you can't just take a weapon and go try conquer an area. Yeah, I mean, conquering- it's sorry to uh, interrupt. Just wanted to add. It's also currently being replaced of unhealthy means such as games are mm-hmm. what filled those kind of 
sense of accomplishment through conquest because you have levels to go through other things. So yeah, that's been, that's like replacing that urge, but in an unhealthy way. So I'm thinking what are healthier alternatives to satisfy, I guess, that kind of need to, to conquer. I'm not sure how else to put it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, you said it pretty well. I mean, if it's I guess in our nation- a lot of people do it right now for money. The more money you make, that's technically considered all power offering your yeah conquest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the mature, well, the higher minded perspective is to conquer yourself, mm-hmm. master yourself, um, while keeping those instinctive uh, drives alive in a healthy way, meaning um, conquer yourself through new fitness uh, achievements, new financial achievements, new team uh, engagement and uh, performance achievements, relationship achievements, like everything that you're involved with should get better and better and better. And you should get more and more in tune with yourself. It really, it has nothing to do with other people or other things. And, and I think that's the difference between the primal need to conquer and what we, what we went through as an earlier civilization in earlier civilizations versus what we have now, which is like that we don't have a need in most countries to fight one tribe over another for space resources etc respect uh unless you're in prison um so given the fact that that is a strong part of our our history dna maybe uh nature i think peterson's argument was that it's 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 in our dna given that that that's most likely true yeah, we have to always make sure that we're internalizing that energy, not externalizing it. And, and that's the difference between someone who's focused on themselves or someone who's focused on others to better themselves. So if my tribe needs to conquer this tribe to be better, then that's probably misdirected in today's world. In today's world, you should say, I need to conquer something about myself or my situation to be better. And it, it doesn't involve anyone else. Everyone else around me simply benefits from that. And I think the point that is so interesting is that I don't want to lose this. There is that part of us that, that, that soldier or warrior type of masculinity that does need to be entertained every now and then we, we do need to um, let our natural aggression out our natural ability to have more strength out we need to express that um, it, it helps to to have strength and you a know. natural way of doing that is combat sport as an example yeah. In your case, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. In my case, boxing. Yeah, that's why those things are so empowering, I think. When when we find them, it's like addicting. Uh, I think that's why jiu-jitsu, once, you know, once that, if that, if that uh, becomes something that your character can align with, 
all of a sudden you feel like that's an expression of life. And that's why, that's why. Um, yeah, boxing, um, kickboxing, um, the study of martial arts in general is goes back so far in human history. It's, I think that's probably one of the things we used to do um, in our youth in the time before is, is learn, learn self-defense. And that's definitely been lost. So picking that back up and going to that class environment where Yes, this is self-defense. Yes, this is discipline and self-mastery. But no, you're not going to like need this to fight. Like most likely. And that's the difference. I think people have a disconnect with. They think like, well, I'm not a fighter. So I'm not going to learn how to choke someone. And it's like, that's not the point of choking someone. It's like the, the, the reason that you, the, the ability to get to that point where you can easily choke someone was the journey that you're trying to extract knowledge from not the choking part i don't know if that makes sense but but yeah like you can sense that in your boxing but you've always been like you've always had fitness kind of as a part of your daily routine it seems like fitness yes but boxing is a different matter especially i want to see that feeling of in a competitive environment for boxing, let's say having an amateur boxing fight where it's you versus the other person in a ring and not technically not a battle to the death, but in a like controlled environment, it's like, it's like a battle of wills. Not sure how else to say it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a battle I, of self-awareness as well. So I want to see what lessons I can extract from that once I'm in that position. I think there's a lot to learn in that situation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and it's not about winning. It's about even losing well, like, you know, being okay with defeat in that moment and not being defeated con uh, subconsciously. Um, because it's not life-threatening. That's the idea. I mean, if it was, there's a whole other range of chemicals that are involved in the brain. So I don't even think those come into play unless you're in a competition. But, but boxing gets quite close to that. Yeah. Since it's yeah, a in direct a, in a, combat sport. In a competitive environment, yeah. But like if you're sparring with someone and you start to like try to knock them out, that would be unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. Be like wait what's going <laughs> yeah, on yeah. Um, well but in jujitsu you, you if you're competing and going to win you are trying to submit the other person and, and if they don't if they don't tap you know they'll lose they'll lose consciousness and a choke easily it only takes it like uh, 45 seconds or something so you say only it's still quite a while of being choked yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, oh, and and something I was thinking about while you were mentioning the uh, other things is like even having a conversation with someone else, like this show, the fact that we do this. I think that this is part of healthy 
masculinity, healthy behavioral uh, tendencies and practices and culture and tradition. I think that this should be a normal thing between people. And we get into a relationship, we get into a business, we get into heavy, hyper-focused skill acquisition. We, we forget that we need to take a break, have a conversation, um, communicate with people. Uh, that's a healthy part of our, our uh, behavioral psychology. And we focus on, and th that's one thing that, that, that compromises the self mastery type of, of, of techniques. This does require other people, right? This does require your ability to interact with other people and how they feel about the interaction. So one way to, to navigate being a man is your ability to communicate and behave around and with other people. So I think that this, this is why we continue to do this every week and people listen every week because, you know, and, and that's why we always invite people to become part of the conversation, whether it's an interview. I mean, most of our interviews turn into conversations. They're not like, specifically focused on that one person it's very rare that we do that so i think everyone can agree with that um but we don't always touch on it so the thing with relationships is we get into an echo chamber um if we if we are too focused on self we get into an echo chamber um, and we need to be able to challenge our ideas and bounce them off other people in other settings. So that's definitely something I recommend uh, to be a holistic kind of man, to be a complete person uh, is to be challenged. Yeah, definitely yeah, important. Because be if you're just thinking, then eventually you just get lost in your own thought. Yeah, and you can be... Um, it doesn't matter if you're right. That's the, that's the, yeah. that's the kicker. If you're right and your, your solutions don't work in the world that you live in, then you are wrong. <laughs> you're not right. Even if the, the, the concepts that you're practicing are in a sense, right. And I think that's one way to kind of tie it back into the, the dichotomy of, of, war in an evolving society that we're trying to get away from conflict you may be right you know we may be trying to get out of conflict but if there is a conflict going on and you're trying to get away from it um and your life is in danger you might be wrong at that moment you might be uh you might be trying to die on a hill of, of philosophy that, that is not appropriate for the situation. And it's, I think we can all agree that like peace is better than conflict, but that's not always the reality. It is better, but what it creates because of our nature isn't technically better. It's that quote goes something like, Hard times create strong men, strong yeah. men create good times, good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. And then <laughs> that cycle continues. <laughs> right.
Right. So we're, we're kind of America in 2022 is like in the weak man phase. Yeah, it seems so. <laughs> yeah, we're lost in that good time. Not so realizing. side note, I, I, I just watched the movie. Um, what is it? Last man down. Have you heard of or you? You probably don't watch movies right now. Currently, not really. No. It's it's a new, you know, it's a new Rambo from 2021. It's another take on Rambo, uh, a man alone fighting chaos, you know, trying to keep chaos at bay. And it's it's in concept, it's perfect. Um, the movie is extremely, uh, what's the word? Campy. It's 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 so ridiculous. It's 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 hard to recommend as a serious movie. <laughs> Even Rambo like was a little better. The, the 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 it's it's a foreign film, so they try to take on the American concept of of Rambo, but they lack the eloquence in proper writing. So literally, like the the script of the whole movie is probably like one page. Like the things he say, says is like one or two words. <laughs> And uh, there's like a beautiful woman in it that falls into his arms and stuff like that. It's perfect in that sense, but it's, it's so badly written. Um, it could have been done better, but the point is, it's like you read the comments of like the, in the YouTube trailer for this movie. And, and it's, it's every comment is positive. Every, every comment is like this, like I'm watching this, like, I know it's stupid, but I'm watching this and it's every comment reveals our inherent desire to be strong, um, to carry a gun and, and like chop down a tree, like everyone. And I'm talking about thousands of comments that I scrolled through were like, this is what we need right now. There was a lot of that kind of sentiment and it's true. It's true. That is where we are in society. We are needing a balance in our nature, but we have gone too far to one side. And so according to Aristotle, we need to overcompensate to get to the other side and to get to balance. We overcompensate and we need to eventually find the middle ground of our masculinity or our femininity, whoever you are, man or woman, right? It pertains to everyone. So I watched the movie with Helena and she absolutely hated it, but, but, you know, it's a man's movie. It's, it's, it's a guy's movie. And cause he like lifts weights in it. He like is deadlifting and um, he gets like shot and keeps going. He, he can get stabbed. He has to like cut wood to survive and to build fires and hunt. And, and, it's very much like, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, um, and I think that's one of the challenges with relationships where the man or the masculine figure in the relationship isn't so masculine. And I write about this in the book that I wrote, Everything is Your Fault. I, I have a section in there where it describes this balance. And I actually rewrote it. Um, before the book was published. At first, it didn't encompass this idea of 
I'll say LGBTQ kind of definition of masculine and feminine, because in today's world, when you have same sex couples, it didn't make sense. And so I rewrote it to fit the same sex couple uh, to encompass them as well, because I think that's important. Masculinity, man in the making, things like that does not mean that you're required to be a man biologically. I think, I think the concept is the world revolves around yin and yang and having a balance of masculine and feminine energies. And wherever you are in that spectrum, in a relationship, you need both. Whoever wants to play those roles, fine with me. But those roles need to be played. And when, when, when the woke... Um, you know, liberal agenda starts to say, I want a relationship without gender roles. I want a relationship where we're both equal. I think that that's where we have a problem. And many of my uh, gay friends will tell you that that's, that that's also false. Even a same-sex relationship needs some kind of balance in those roles because and they can go back and forth too. That's the only thing really about gender that's fluid is that psychologically we can go into different roles, but a role needs to be chosen at the appropriate time. And when the man in, when the, when the masculine, when the masculinity is needed in a role in a relationship, someone needs to fill that role. When the femininity is needed, to balance the masculinity, someone needs to feed, feed into that role. And so when you have a man and a woman, for example, um, it's going to be easier if the man predominantly exudes masculinity. It's going to be easier if the woman exudes or expresses femininity for the most part. And like I said, they're flexible and they'll, they'll alter a little bit every now and then but for the most part. Um, and so if in a same-sex relationship, someone is going to be more masculine, someone's going to be more feminine. We all know guys that are more feminine than the woman, than a woman. We all know women who are more masculine than some guys that we know. And so if that's going good for them, that's the role that they're going to need to play. If you're finding that that's not going well for you and it causes conflict in your relationship, time to switch. A masculine female needs to learn how to be more feminine. A feminine male needs to learn how to be more masculine if that's causing conflict. Um, so when, when I get asked those kinds of questions, my mind kind of like goes blank because it's so complicated and we haven't even covered everything about your original question. Uh, it, it requires too much time and too many nuances, but yeah, deadlifts are good. Learn how to shoot a gun <laughs> and chop down a tree. Maybe pick up a combat sport. <laughs> pick up a combat sport and, uh, but what's funny is that that works for women too. I mean, jujitsu, women in jujitsu 
um, that's, that's what makes the answer so difficult because that's not necessarily better for a man. Here's the answer to it. Like that, the things we're saying are not necessarily geared towards men or women because all of it revolves around self-awareness. So the answer to your question, in my opinion, is to internalize your ability to have to internalize your desire for power and control and, and focus on yourself and, and have power and control over yourself. And I think that will make you a better man. That will make you a better woman. That will make you a better same-sex partner. That will make you a better construction worker, politician, lawyer, doctor, garbage man. It, it's, it's a one-size-fits-all answer internalize your awareness and seek to gain power and control over your emotions, your body, and your willpower and your mind. Uh, and that's why the monks would say, I am the master of my mind, body, and, and emotions. Uh, every day we would say that in some capacity, I am the master of my mind, body, and emotions. And that's how that's the answer and then it evolves into this these details and people get lost in the details don't get lost in the details zoom out for a second and simplify because not everyone is going to be able to deadlift some dudes are going to want to play chess instead of deadlift and use their mind their intellect fine you know, I'd rather trade stocks than be a construction worker, but I do like construction work, but I can observe and interact with, with price action better than like pouring cement. I'm more interested in one than the other. So how do I achieve masculinity? I have to zoom out beyond both of those proclivities and make sure I'm in tune with self-awareness but i'm not against forcing it either if you don't like working out but you need to get in shape i don't care you probably should work out even if you hate it right if you're stuck inside your head all day and you want to feel like you wonder why you feel like crap you should probably force yourself to get outside of your head and to interact with other people to go to an uncomfortable situation in a social setting and do things you don't like to do. So it's, it's so nuanced. This subject will never go away. This conversation will never end. We'll be talking about this until we die. And then after we leave our body and go into another world, we'll be talking about it again with other like beings. <laughs> nice. But it's a good it's a good question. You had you had I'm glad you had so much to say. That's really good. I want you to say more cuz I'm bo I hate hearing myself now. You 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 After sound two much, years, huh? I want everyone to know this. You sound much more composed in your speech and thoughts than I do. Uh, right now I feel like I'm I have dad brain. You know, a lot of women say like, oh, I have mom brain. It's like, well, you know what? There's dad brain too. Explain it. 
What do you like mean? brain like having a kid creates brain fog oh okay because you don't really for years you don't really sleep that well it, it, it's not like you don't sleep or you have insomnia it's like in the back of your mind you're always wondering if your child is alive or not mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it's a very instinctive type of protective barrier and uh it must be from survival from like waking up and having to go walk 20 miles or something but yeah, you're always in the back of your mind, in your subconscious, in the back of your conscious. You're 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 wondering if the child is okay and and if they're protected. You know, like when she's in her crib in the middle of the night, like is she cold or like is she choking on something? Is she wrapped up in her blanket? And am I am I gonna find her like you know has suffocated or something? It's it's like a a, a concern. And then when she gets older, it'll just expand to, is she going to run into a pole or something or uh, is she going to get hit by a car? So you, be, you, you get like foggy because you're never well rested. And um, if you think that juggling your life is, is a challenge, you know, as a parent, you're juggling multiple lives at the same time, <laughs> you know? So like, while we're doing taxes, I'll just go over <laughs> yesterday while we're doing taxes, while we're managing an RV company, a beverage company, a stock market company, uh, and a, a, ther a therapy company, thinking about the podcast, thinking about my social media content, our, our activities like eating, walking, hiking, sleeping, gym, while, while that isn't is in, in each in and of itself, a layer of complexity going on simultaneously. While you think about that, there's the reality of watching the child, making sure they don't fall down the stairs because she likes to climb upstairs. <laughs> so, you know, she's not encaged or is she's not caged. She's not behind a barrier of protection. She's in the kitchen with us. She's on the floor. She can open up drawers and, and get access to things that can hurt her and others, uh, most likely others. But <laughs> um, so yeah, being a parent is just just tiring in that sense. Um, and it's not like having a dog because a dog, see, a lot of people get dogs because they want to practice for parenthood. It ain't the same thing because a dog will eventually sit down. I swear to God, children don't sit down. <laughs> like they move like constantly. They move. They just yeah, want while to they're move. not sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. While they're not sleeping, they're moving. They're touching things. They're they're exploring. And and Peterson touches on that in uh, Maps of Meaning in his uh, publication from 1999, The Architecture of Belief. Um, the first like 100 pages or 75 pages are about uh, they tell a story of how we psychologically develop 
how that works. Uh, how we, when we're young, we learn the meaning of things. And the book is all about meaning, so it's important. But you learned that a glass, you know, cup or a glass, right? And we, we know what that means, but, but a child, they don't understand that the glass is better kept intact. And that's how it retains its function as a, as a, a liquid container. And they don't know that. And so much is implied in what we know. And that's called a presupposition. So much is implied in what we know. You know, we, 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 we look at a car with, with, but, but we don't, and we know, we don't think about this consciously, but subconsciously, we know the thousands of concepts or models or schemas in our brain that have already been built around car. Car is fast, car is slow, car is dangerous, car is loud, car is quiet, car is drives at night, drives at day, drives in the rain, drives in the snow, crashes in the snow. Like I can go on and on and on and on with those thousands of concepts around car. Just that one thing or glass. And um, a kid is spending those, those waking hours figuring that out, learning that for the first time in this lifetime. And um, that's what's the, that's why it's worth it. I mean, because it's exhausting and it's like, well, why do people do it? And it's so you can watch as life is unfolded in front of you. And restriction, restricting the exploration is a real detriment to the child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's a certain amount of balance that has to be um, applied when to restrict adventure and exploration, when to release it and just observe. Um, because at this young age, you have to observe, you have to at least see so that when danger is present, you can intervene. Um, but, you know, like for, for right now, she can, she's 14 months old, she can touch the glass in my hand. She can use the glass as if I'm holding. There's all these kinds of, um, you know, rules that have to be applied with the exploration. And the fascinating thing about all of this is that it doesn't just pertain to the child. I think that's why child psychology is so important in, in terms of psychology in general for the adult. Hence the famous saying, the child is father to the man. The child, instead of father, you could say teacher. Um, the child is teacher to the man. That is a much better way to say that instead of the child's father to the man. The father aspect is leaning on mythology. But teacher, our kids are our teachers in a sense that we're seeing what we went through when we don't remember what we went through. And so we get to um, answer our own questions um, answer things about ourselves that don't quite make sense. It's like, oh, I bet we learned it that way. And that's why I'm this way now. Uh, you know, that's my job as a therapist when I work with people um, is to, to express those things about themselves. But a child does that through living. 
a child, a child experiences and explores. And while we watch that, we see consciousness unfolding and we see, we see knowledge possibly revealed to ourselves. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And then the love part of having a child is cool. I never quite understood love. Like, yeah, I, I don't quite yet have my mind wrapped around the concept of love. I'm still exploring it as a philosopher. And, uh, you know, like people would say, uh, before she was born, people would say like, oh, you, you get to experience like a real love or something like that. I'm like, well, the hell does that mean? Like, I get the fact that we had the, the child, but why does the child imply love or infer love? Why is that the case? And I think. Does it refer to the biological attachment you have to the child, as you were saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still exploring it. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. So the thing comes from you. And so you take care of the thing and, it, yeah. but it's, de it's deeper than that. Because if you apply that same logic to your car, you don't love your car as much as your child. But then it's DNA written into our DNA. Cause in order for our species to thrive and flourish, you need to be looking after your child to make sure it grows up. So yes. that attachment you have is probably what is referred to as love. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's what's so I think that's what's been so confusing for me is because I don't think people realize that they're saying love, but but they're not they're not recognizing that it's it's what you mean is is like biological attachment to survival. And the love part is is there. I'm not a monster. I'm, I'm, I do love my daughter. <laughs> But I'm trying to understand why I love my daughter. And I don't think that I, I can consciously understand that. And I think that's why love is a mystery. I don't think our... Is it just our interpretation of that attachment? We interpret well, that as love? Yes, but it's not sufficient it's not sufficient to gain co comprehension for me. Um, and I think that, that, that people say love is a mystery in a way. I think they should say that because it is. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make logical sense. And so you do get to experience that as a parent. You get to so, understand. Sorry for interrupting. Just no, had this thought. So it's probably to do with the chemicals that are released when you're maybe thinking about the child or around that child. Cause I just remembered there was some sort of study where as an example, the higher the male's testosterone, the less likely they are to care for the child directly. They're more likely to be exploring the world and lower testosterone probably means other different chemicals being produced as well. So with that lower testosterone, you're more likely to be directly there looking after the child and yeah there's like the other chemicals and i think yes yeah, obviously through the chemicals that are being released because of our dna and how 
I don't know. I've, I'm starting to get lost in that thought, but do you understand where I was going? Yeah, that? yeah, that's a difficult thought, but yeah, I, I, I follow you 100, percent and I, and I agree with that. Uh, I think that 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 theory makes makes total sense, and if it's not a theory, I, I think that 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 concept makes total sense. Yeah, and 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 you can see that in the mother and the father. You can definitely see that the the father is definitely more risk of. Uh, uh, risk prone. I, I don't watch Maya as nearly as carefully as Helena does, which makes so much sense. And in my mind, I'm like, mm, hang on a second, back up. She doesn't, you don't need to rescue her. She's exploring the limits of what this object does or what that, what this, yeah, object. Um, and 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 there and I'm gauging, you know, on severity. Like, no, she's not going to get hurt from this. Potentially, she's not going to die for sure. And like, there's various hierarchies that I'm switching through. It's like, okay, now she's at the point where she could seriously get hurt. I intervene, or I get I approach and get closer to intervening. But maybe I can still let her scoot down this last step by herself because. If she does approach falling, I can catch and I'll, I'll allow it. My brain is going through this situation of scenarios where, you know, I can, I can, I can get there fast enough and, and, and I will. Um, and then, you know, success means it, she, she conquers the object. She wins. She explores it understands that that there's danger and you can see her approaching cautiously she understands the mechanics of needing her feet to to catch her and um she has control over the situation and and conquers the stare and 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 resumes play elsewhere so she has kept chaos at bay and 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 the has, mental model has been built for that yeah, specific and now situation. Understands, yeah, now understands stare. So if I, if the child is exploring stare and I rush forward and pick up, child lacks sufficient knowledge yeah. of stare. Yeah. So, so I think we're in the stages of um, where she'll express the things that she learns when she's older with other kids, meaning minor uh, conflict, minor bumps, provoking crying. You know, we're at the point where if she's, if we can tell that the, the severity was pretty light, you know, we don't, we don't really intervene with, with solid, with, with um, affection. And it's like, okay, you got a bump or you, you bumped your hand or, or something like that. And you're crying about it, you know, suck it up. It's not that big of a deal. So then she stops crying and then she learns, okay. Um, you know, there's a self-sufficient aspect of my, I don't need them to protect me all the time. I can recover and move on. I do remember so. that directly from myself where in nursery, if I got injured, then you know the next response is you cry 
and then you get someone to care that you injured yourself and then that feels good that someone cares and is trying to ease your pain like you directly feel good because of that but then I also remember later on maybe it was in a movie I think I saw someone getting injured and then not crying and that was quite fascinating to me how mm-hmm. someone yeah how you can get injured and then not cry then I remember trying it myself and then I guess since then I kind of stopped crying after yeah like an injury but I do yeah. specifically remember like that it felt good and it was like you you start crying as a response so then you have an excuse to go over to someone to then feel the love of that person mm-hmm. I guess that's how I'd put it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's correct yeah and so as adults we have to monitor that uh we have to keep monitoring that that um need to uh be uh, comforted mm-hmm. um yeah there's as always a balance because too much comforting can be a detriment and then not enough comforting could also be a detriment yeah and as we were saying earlier that's where we are now as a society we're i think i write about that in the book uh everything is your fault we, we've been comforted too much we've been comforted too much as a whole and um uh, people i think people know that it, people in in general know that and and that's why on my twitter feed when there's a picture of um vitali klitschko klitschkov i don't know how to say his name former heavyweight champion now like mayor of vladimir of, klitschko yeah. vladimir klitschkov yeah uh now like mayor of uh kiev okay. or something yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah Kiev, yeah. sorry yeah uh putting on armor and and loading in like an ar-15 like ready to shoot down a helicopter that's why people I, I, people are like this is the kind of mayor you want now why do people do that why why does that come up on my twitter feed and someone praising that and saying now this is a mayor because we have that women and men are saying that and we we see that image in our mind and it's we see a man like we see masculinity we see a protector we see someone who is strong we see someone who is caring for others we see someone who has mental and physical toughness to sacrifice their own life for what their their values are so to add to that what's interesting is the closer our lifestyle is to a more, I want to say primitive nature again, but that's probably the wrong way to put it. Let's say in Eastern Europe, it's um, a lot poorer place than somewhere like America. And in the same way, Eastern Europe has much more defined gender roles, going back to gender roles, where the masculine, where the man has his role and the woman has her role to simplify it's like man goes out and builds his empire let's say like that whereas the woman builds the family and that's seen as perfectly normal so and that's like in a place which is yeah uh poorer and then when you go to times of war it's similar men go out to fight for their country for the woman for the children and women stay home and protect the children and nurture them and obviously contribute in other ways as well but you go back to that the closer we are to that primal state 
the more we revert to our natural gender roles. Yeah. Yeah. And so how does that, how, how, how does that apply? You know, am I supposed, if I want to be more of a man, am I supposed to buy an AR 15 and wear some camouflage gear on, on the weekends? Uh, no, <laughs> I'd be a little crazy. It'd be the town nut. Um, because it's not appropriate for our, for, for my Southern California situation. There's no one, no one is attacking us. Thank God. But, you know, if I see a hill in my neighborhood, I should probably learn how to run up it. (laughs) Like it's that that kind of, it's that kind of comparison that is needed. I should probably be able to, pick up my own body weight, you know, things like that, things like that. We have to, we have to be able to take iconic and mythological examples of masculinity and, and, and transfer it to modern day appropriate values that still make sense without doing exactly the same thing. I mean, that's what we're doing when we go to the gym, like, that's what we're doing when you see guys and girls lifting weights, you know, that's their current battle. That's why, that's why we sometimes compare that kind of activity as a, as a battle, you know, as a, as a psychological warfare, you know, it's something to conquer. That's what it is. That's what we're doing. Oh, interestingly enough, uh, Vladimir Klitschkov was a boxer, right? So he's, He's and in the words of John Hodgman, he, uh, sporting events are practicing uh, con- for conflict. It's ways of practicing conflict, and so jujitsu, boxing, training, approaching that which could hurt you, or you know psychologically or physiologically, is a type of conflict, and we we want to. We want to routinely approach conflict and and win and conquer it and pacify the the potential damaging effects, mitigate, mitigate the damaging effects and make them survivable, survivable. I should be able to survive a gym session so that I can go back and do it again. It's the same kind of energy that I'll need to survive an argument with a loved one. It's the same kind of energy and practice required to survive an event of challenge and conflict at work, whatever that work may be. That was very hard to get to. It's very clear now. But for me, that was very hard to get to. What part specifically? The, the clarity and, and, and with the way I understand it now, okay. my brain was, when we first started, I was like asleep, <laughs> but it's all so clear now. And the title will be Exploring Our True Nature. Yeah. It's all one. relevant with what we talked about. Yeah. It's a good one. And yeah, understanding our true nature is important to, I think, our happiness in general. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so if we approach ourselves or someone else 
somehow lacking fulfillment, we can ask ourselves or ask them, are you, are you in tune with who you really are? And that, that's, the, that's the irony of life we, we, we find now. Things are comfortable, relatively easy in a sense. And it's harmful. Um, in a way, it's harmful to the mm -hmm. masses. Yeah. So why does that, why are we still unhappy, uneasy, full of anxiety? Well, we're not. That's exactly why, because of the comfort. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the very thing that's killing us. The, the ease in life is the very thing that's hurting us. Uh, and it's, it's a contradiction. It, it's, 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 it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. But it does make sense um, if you rise above your mind, because your mind is is this self self creating mechanism built for uh, survival and comfort directly aids survival. Biologically, maybe not not like confrontationally, but yeah, yeah. The battle is in a way reprogramming reprogramming that. Yeah. So, if, mind, yeah. so, it, and we see it all the time. We see, we see wealthy people kill themselves. Right. And everyone thinks who's not wealthy. They think, well, gosh, I need that money. Like if I had that money, I'd be so happy. And it's like, oh, apparently that's not the case for everybody or someone with a super comfy job. gets paid good. Has it has what's quote unquote, a decent life, you know, uh, but yet inside they're extremely unfulfilled and unhappy, right? So, so once a basic need is met, we, we soon find out that, 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 that need wasn't actually what we needed, you know, fully, um, you know, when you can't pay back your credit card bills monthly uh, on a monthly basis, it, that's an important need to fill, but it's an important thing to know that once you do accomplish that, it's not going to be complete and unending happiness. Eventually, a better, a more advanced need arises and you, you seek for something more and more and more. And it's, it's the quest for novelty that really draws us forward when, when, when we have to be careful in, in thinking that novelty uh, uh, presents fulfillment when in reality, uh, basic uh, self-mastery provides enough fulfillment, you know, basic needs of, of, of self-awareness breed, you know, happiness, fulfillment, contentment. And we, we keep finding our, we keep needing, we, we need to rest our fulfillments in ourselves um, and not in other things outside of us for happiness but the balance is we still need to do those things outside of us we still need to pay off the monthly credit card bill we still need to keep that up um, but if we thought that that was the last thing that we had to do for happiness we would be wrong yeah okay i really like how <laughs> actually yeah i have some more extreme views and then you you find the balance between them and then you explain it in a very balanced way. That's nice. Yeah. I think that is important because I've done the extreme thing. Like, okay, if money doesn't make me happy, then forget money. 
I'll just, I'll just leave it off the table and go wear robes in the jungle. And it's like, huh? that's not it. That's not it. Money is still good. Money is still good. Money provides a, a, a medium of exchange for further exploration. It's another way. In a way, to... I know people don't like to say this, but money still provides freedom. Yeah. Would you agree? Course. Yeah. Of course. And no. even in tough social situations, let's say people who have the rich from Ukraine, they had a way to get out before everyone else because they had the money to do so. So with money, you protect your family and just in general, you get freedom. It's it's a human medium that's become a necessity. And and if you would if you try to argue, you know, the monk part, how did the monks sustain their life of enlightenment? Money. They bought the property, they paid the bills. They kept the water running and electricity and lights on. They kept the heat going. Well, no, it was Hawaii, so <laughs> there was no heat or air conditioning. But they kept the ceiling fans on. And they did that with ongoing attempts of, uh, of monetary. Generating more money. Yeah. Generating more money. Um, and they were very good at that. They were very good at that. They called money like fertilizer. When you spread it around, it makes things grow. So you want, you want more of that. The problem is people think that the money leads to the be-all and end-all of happiness. And then they go to extremes when they find out that it's not the case. And then they go to the opposite side. Okay, well, no money. We'll get rid of money. And that's not the answer. You know, things outside of myself cause misery. So remove all things outside of myself for no misery. And that's not, that's not the answer. That's not how that works. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's yoga. Now we're talking yoga. I think next episode, if we don't have a guest, might do about yoga. Because I'm still a bit unclear about the definition and how it works. Mm. Yeah, that's a long one. It's another hour. Great. <laughs> I have some things in my notes, but I think this is enough for today. It, it, were, your, were the things in your notes not covered? I guess it was just adding on to the conversation we were having. Oh, well, well we want more of that. We want more of your, your thoughts on that. Okay. I'll see then. So see what you think of these. Let's start off with like as an example, when we're talking about combat, how much Miyamoto Musashi learned about himself and for everything while going through all the combat between where it's just you versus your opponent. So I guess, yeah, reading his books might help me understand what I'm searching for, but I also want to try experience it for myself, that kind of thing. Mm. Because what he learned through conflict and, and, and combat with other people that he was simply battling himself. He, he, it, goes, it went back to self-awareness. He, he realized that the more he mastered self, the more that combat with another person would be uh, uh, effortless. Effortless. Yeah. Then when I said about extreme views and we talked about happiness, I wrote down... You should be happy. You are not in despair. 
and what I mean by despair is death of a loved one or something similar. When you wake up and if you're not in despair, then I think you should be happy in that sense, which is quite an extreme thing to say. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I feel the same way. And I think, I think we should, I mean, we say balance, but I think we should overcompensate regularly on good values. And I think we should have more of them than we have opposites. And, and, I, and I do think that when you're not going through a dark period in your, in your life, in your week, in your day, whatever, you should have gratitude. You should have gratitude so much that it annoys everyone around you. <laughs> and I think the more gratitude you have, you're, you're, you're canceling out the days coming up that are, are, are dark and difficult. Because even in those moments, we can have gratitude. Um, and, and we're overcompensating for the days that we don't have gratitude, the, day, the days that, that really are shitty and that like, it's like, man, what, you know, which, which need to happen. They, they will come up. So, so more gratitude for sure. On, on, not balanced at all. Have more gratitude than you really should. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to do that. I, we try to use that every day in our house. Like every day we try to be like, oh my God, some, how is this even possible? As an example? I mean, personally, I, I, I like to have my coffee ritual where I'm like, I can make my own coffee. I can enjoy this. And it's like a, a little, you know, it's my ritual. You know, Helena and I, like the food, we try to um, have a moment of gratitude before we eat. Um, we, we try to, I mean, we, our backyard in Southern California, like is landscaped with tropical, tropical plants and the sunsets. It's like, wow, we can see the sunset as we make dinner. And we, we, oftentimes don't let that go unnoticed yeah i'm looking at the ocean right now this whole podcast i've been looking at the ocean and i can see boats in the bay i can see like sailboats and the cliffs behind um, as the other end of the bay i can see the cliffs that overlook the rest of the ocean it doesn't get better than that that reminds me, it's quite interesting because someone said to me probably two years ago, because I didn't live by the sea at the time. I lived maybe 20 minutes away, so I couldn't see it directly. And when I'd come down to visit them and have a direct, like be right next to the beach, I would say like, what a beautiful view this is. And then they'd say, after looking at it every day, you get bored of it. Yeah. But I'm living here now and it's I'm in my fourth I'm in fourth year here in this location and I still love most nights even like as an example yesterday I got myself a sandwich from the shop and just went for a walk by the beach at 11 p.m and stared at the stars and watched the waves crashing for probably half an hour and I just mm. I don't get tired of it I I love it so it's yeah. also interesting how some people, yeah, they say 
they get tired of it. I wonder how that happens. And well, that's that, yeah, that's the teaching right there. You know, that's going to lead to long-term success, fulfillment, if you can maintain that. And um, yeah, I've been thinking like that for fifteen over fifteen years. Well, yeah, since since two thousand six, so two thousand sixteen. 2026 it's going to be 20 years in in a few years uh my mind's already like in 2026 (laughs) (laughs) um what is it 2022 so 16 years um yeah that, that was big for for the monks they would they would try to say that every day several times a day like can you believe that can you believe how lucky we are? Like even washing your clothes, you pull out those clothes from the dryer, give those clothes like a big hug. (laughs) (laughs) Like, can you believe that a machine just produced this warm drying effect on your clothes and you didn't have to do anything. If you let too much of life's miracles go by, you miss it. You miss it. And then, and then you try to fill in those gaps with, with visions of grandeur things i wish i had a bigger house i wish i had a nicer car (laughs) i mean it's crazy it's endless it's endless the mind the mind's ability to seek novelty and appreciation is endless so you have to stop it you have to stop the mind in its tracks before it keeps going and you have to say wow this cup of coffee is amazing so glad I have the ability to drink this right now. So someone getting bored of amazing scenery is because they're seeking more novelty. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Okay. They're, seeking, they're seeking fulfillment and, 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 and when we say the grass is greener on the other side, that's the, that's the saying. And, and it's true. We have to be, we have to catch that, you know, sayings are around for a reason. Um, you have to catch yourself trying to want the greener grass when what you have is uh, you have something really good and people fall into that rut in relationships, right? A lot of divorce, a lot of breakups, a lot of going for the, 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 uh, a lot of men go for younger women uh, in the relationship, you know, not, not, not a good, um, not a good technique for eternal, uh, uh, fulfillment you want to uh, granted there are relationships that should probably end because the two people are incompatible but um you know i think a lot of relationships could be solved and and fixed by by going through radical change radical changes with individuals it's not easy. It takes work. It takes a lot of work with ourselves, you know, look, going and, and, and going, walking by the ocean and uh, enjoying the scenery and everything. That takes work. That takes work to appreciate that on a daily basis. Um, being in a relationship for 30 years with someone and being able to still find that love and, and rekindle those, those feelings of affection. That's hard. It's hard. It takes work takes work but what what we're asking people to do is to put in the work 
And people get tired. They get exhausted. They don't want to put in the work. And it's easier to move to a new place. It's easier to find a new person. It's, it's, um, and short-term potentially feels even better. But then you yeah. don't find that long-term fulfillment. From- 100%. Or 100%. Short-term, acute changes are present. But, but, but chronic, long-term, lasting, you're going to end up in the same... Um, the same predicament that you were in before same one so such is the such is the um the nature of life i like that so yeah happy to wrap up there if nothing else cool i'm gonna go get some coffee (laughs) (laughs) is that second cup already had yeah yeah will be a second cup and I was going to say, while you go have your coffee, I'm going to make myself a very healthy smoothie. <laughs> nice. So, till next week. Thank you, sir. <laughs>